That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. Liverpool, Tottenham, and both Manchester clubs locked up four of the Champions League's remaining eight places while they were joined by Ajax, Juventus, Barcelona, and Porto. I'm Alex. Here in the Ghost Goal Podcast, we're here to recap all of the last round of Champions League action and then do a little bit of uh, Premier League previews uh, at the end of the pod. First up, we have Andrew Bissaro, our Liverpool fan on staff, to react to Liverpool's huge 3-1 win today at Bayern Munich. Uh, Liverpool won the tie 3-1 after the 0-0 in the first leg at Anfield. I would say a very dynamic performance today from Liverpool. Didn't have a lot of the possession but created the majority of the meaningful chances, obviously took three of them. I'm ranking this up there as one of, if not the best win in European football for Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool, maybe even at Dortmund. Obviously, the Manchester City ones come to mind too, but obviously give us your thoughts on the game and where you rank that in terms of the uh, pantheon of Jurgen Klopp uh, European performances for Liverpool so far. All right, I'll start with the second part of that question. I'd put it somewhere in the top three. I'd put the 3-0 against Manchester City at home easily as the one. It might be better than the Borussia Dortmund Europa League comeback with the Dejan Lovren in like the 90th plus four minutes in Klopp's first season with the club, just because that was like a huge moment. Also, I, I also want a bottle of tequila off, off that tie too. But yeah, I think it's in the top three in terms of, of, of Klopp. I mean, maybe the, the spanking of Roma at home, but I feel like this was very different. Like this was not, you know, this was, a, we, we frustrated Bayern all time. The, the one goal that they had came off of an own goal, off a cross, and a bad play by Matip. Um, you had a midfield that worked their socks off today. Fabinho coming in after not starting, but Milner was all over the place, which is pretty, you know, honestly, like pretty normal for him in a European game, but not part of his game this regular season. He's I wasn't a fan of him starting today, but he was excellent. But honestly, like the, the part of this game that impressed me the most is, is the form that Sadio Mane has been in. 10 goals in his 10 last Liverpool games, gets two goals today, sends Manuel Neuer back to school with that turn on the first oh, goal today he was I, that was beautiful I, I, we've talked about this on the pod many a time but this is this is Sadio Mane's biggest moment where you know at times last year he was playing Robin to Mo Salah's Batman but honestly in 2019 not the entire season but in 2019 he's been the Batman and Mo Salah has been Robin and no one's talking about it but it was a great performance they they really handled everything well they absorbed Bayern's pressure they frustrated them at times we weren't passing the ball really well which did irritate me but at the same time like at the end of the day this was a game you just had to win we could you know we can go play fancy football against you know in the next round that doesn't matter to me today was all about getting a result and for a team that you know didn't you know got a nil-nil draw at Manchester United got a nil-nil draw at Everton I felt like this was a statement game for the second half of the season not just in the Champions League but the type of game that they take to Sunday when they take on Fulham the type of game when they they take for you know when they take play Tottenham out of the international break this was 
probably the biggest result of the year for us after maybe beating Manchester United at home 3-1. And that I only say that because we haven't done well against United in the last few years. So I felt like that was, again, a statement win. But in terms of 2019, this was the biggest win for the club. So I'm ecstatic, to say the least. Biggest surprise of the day. Uh, Liverpool going away to Bayern and scoring three goals and being borderline dominant. We're getting subtweeted by uh, Liverpool owner John Henry. What b- bigger surprise? What, what would you What would you say? <laughs> well, it wasn't just the the, the John Henry how it happened. So I just threw out a tweet, and then I get I threw out a tweet. You know, after Virgil Van Dijk scored the the header, the second goal, because at that point I thought it was over. Obviously, Sadio Mane scores a header himself and ends it, uh, but. I just threw out the tweet, and it turns out, like, I got a tweet from somebody like, did I just see Andrew Pissarro on TNT? And I was like, I'm not at the game. Like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. And next thing I know, the tweet starts blowing up. But after that, I got quote tweeted by Linda, John Henry's wife, and the tweet starts popping off a whole bunch more. And then moments after that... John Henry just takes a picture of it and puts it out. It's on. He didn't take a picture. He takes a picture of it on TV when TNT TNT. are showing it on TNT. No context. Just puts it out like Linda at least had the decency to to put hashtag facts on. Come on, man. Brothers trying to grow the podcast here. Well, to be fair, to be fair, I was at eight hundred and sixty nine followers going into that. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Pissarro. Um, I'm at like nah, I'm closing in on nine twenty right now. So uh, it's a nice little boost. The tweets at like seven hundred and fifty over seven hundred and fifty retweets and like eighteen hundred likes on Twitter. So my phone is uh, being uh, super obnoxious. I would still say that was more surprising. Um, I didn't think I, I had I was not worried about Liverpool going into this tie because I knew how much we frustrated Bayern in the first tie. The pieces they were missing, you know, Ribery and Robin are basically done. Coman was not healthy enough to start. Uh, no Kimmich to provide with. Um, no Thomas Muller. I, I looked at this Bayern team and it's like, this isn't a Bayern team that really scared me. I thought Liverpool just didn't fire in the first leg. So I wasn't worried about it. The second that Sadio Mane scored that first goal, was like, fine, Bayern may score again, but they're not scoring twice on us. Like, we're going to go through on a 1-1 and Bayern fans are going to get upset about it, but whatever. Like, a win, you know, a result is a result. We're through on to the next round. Um, I, so I would still say going, going semi-viral on the internet was the bigger surprise of the day because it was in a innocuous tweet like we were talking about this before we sat down to start recording uh that's an old joke like like and some people did come after me for it like you haven't even like, told the listeners what what it was yet i 75 percent of the world is covered by water the other the other 25 percent is covered by virgil van dyke uh i know chelsea fans used it for angolo conte uh i've seen other soccer fans tweeted about a variety of defenders um Shit, apparently Liverpool used to tweet uh Liverpool fans used to tweet it in 2013-14 about Jordan Henderson cuz he was playing that <laughs> super yeah, that super that super mobile role Kind of cheapens it. Yeah, that it does. It really does. But it's I better mean, when it's I, saved for the uh Conte's and Van Dykes of the world. <laughs> I, I know I know Jet fans used to say the same thing about uh about Daryl Revis. Yeah, about Daryl Revis. And, and so, like, I did have a couple of people be like, this isn't that original. But, I mean, the evening standard in the UK picked up the fact that John Henry, tw- like, took a fan's tweet about Virgil van Dyke. Like, we'll share the article from our Twitter later. They've but- got tw- quotas to fill, Andrew. You know, they need yeah. to get 
a hundred bullshit posts in a day. <laughs> I was a little insulted they didn't at least like hey be like like message me on Twitter and be like hey by the way we're using this like my DMs are open on Twitter they very easily could have come and talked to me about it but uh, look this was a huge result for Liverpool it galvanizes us uh, the one negative that I will take out of this Andy Robertson picked up a le- uh, picked up a yellow card late in the second half and is now going to miss the first leg of whoever they have to t- to play which means either one of two things is going to happen and Alberto Moreno starting. In a European no. quarterfinal, give me but, Milner. Uh, I don't know. You could see Milner. I'm going to present another option here. They may even stick Joe Gomez at that left back spot if Fine. if he uh, if he's healthy and fit. I mean, they've got a couple of weeks now still. He was supposed to be back some point in mid to late March. So maybe if he can get match fit by the time they take on whoever. Um, and I will I will say this. Uh, the, there's two clubs I don't want to draw in this next round. <laughs> Let me guess. Juve and Barca. <laughs> Honestly, I think we could take Barca. I wouldn't like to take... Juve is number three. I don't want to I don't want to have to deal with Manchester United or Manchester City. I really, wow. See, really I, think, do, I don't I, want them. I think that applies much more to Manchester City than it does to any other team in England. They don't want to face any of the other uh, three English teams. Javier and I uh, were saying the other day, I would I would take Manchester City handily in a two-legged tie versus Barcelona. It gets a little tougher when it's Juve, and that's a, that's a low-block defensive team. But Barcelona in a wide-open game, Pep obviously knows plenty of those players very well. I, I, yeah, I just yeah, Man City I, th- that would favor them more. Them having to play you guys, teams that have played against them and are familiar with them, that's going to be such a tougher test for them. You guys, I feel like you can handle Tottenham, United, and probably Manchester City pretty easily. I just don't want to deal with having the the two legs of dealing with City in the Champions League and also dealing with trying to keep up with them in the Premier League is just going to be <sighs> so much BS in the press. That's why it's going to happen. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna put you guys against each other right in the middle of a title race. Yep, and and the the United part is like I talked about it earlier. Like the recent history against United, yeah, we we took care of them in in the Europa League a couple years ago, but I I just don't want to have to deal with them personally. That I I've talked about it. I wouldn't say I'm scared. I just don't want to ha- like. I feel like United fans have the easiest out, and we have like United fans have nothing to lose, and we have everything to lose. Because if we lose to them, that's going to galvanize them. They're going to talk all this trash, and you know they very well may still finish outside of the top four, but at least they'll have the well. We took Liverpool out of the Champions League to kind of hang on their hat, and like I don't need that. I, I really don't. But I. I'm just, like I could not be more overjoyed with the way this team played. Again, kudos to Sadio Mane. Trent Alexander-Arnold had a great, great day. Uh, Van Van Dyke was fantastic. Wijnaldum, excellent again. This is this is again the best Liverpool team I've for sure ever seen, and we'll see if they can get back to the Champions League final. And just hopefully they don't have to deal with a Cristiano Ronaldo team in the final again. Hopefully not. Though there wouldn't be a Sergio Ramos to. Uh deal out another terrible injury. Well, um, even if that happens, they have Shakiri to bring it off the bench. He's going to play a similar role to Mo Salah. He's not, he's not Mo Salah, but you're not bringing Adam Lallana to play wide. <laughs> Just slightly better prepared. Andrew, thanks for coming on. Uh, really appreciate it. We're going to jump out now to mine and Javier's conversation, recapping the rest of the Champions League fixtures. Thanks, Andrew. Deuces. And we're back. 
Thanks again to Andrew for coming on the pod to discuss Liverpool's big win over uh, Bayern Munich today. Javier is here, uh, back on the pod, uh, to talk about the rest of the Champions League fixtures. We are going to hit really quickly on that Bayern Munich-Liverpool results, though. Liverpool winning 3-1 on the day away at Bayern uh, to lock up their place in the quarterfinals. Javier, welcome back. And uh, what what are your first impressions of uh, that Liverpool, that big Liverpool performance today? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was... I, I was really impressed with Liverpool. I didn't think that they would have as much control over the game as they did. And I have Bayern were pretty underwhelming. Uh, they didn't really create many chances and didn't really trouble Allison much. Considering that they were at home, um, I thought they were going to come out in the second half after they got you know a little bit of a equalizer out of nowhere. Uh, I thought they were going to then push on in the second half and, and you know really take the game to Liverpool. But Liverpool just pretty much dominated from start to finish in the second half, and it was a really, really good display from them in the second half. And, and Sadio Mane definitely having his best season he's ever had. Um, equals has already equaled, I think, his best tally in the league, and I think that's only his third Champions League goal. But he scored, uh, I think I saw a statistic, nine out of his last twelve Champions League goals have been in the knockout stages. So. Yeah, two in this one. seems to start get, getting going once the, the games matter. I do just want to say about uh, Bayern, you, it's got to be frustrating for them. They had something like 60% possession and uh, st- still only had like one shot on target. And Liverpool managed eight or something like that. Like Liverpool just basically just cut through them. It, it, was, it was kind of like Liverpool saw, had seen this before when they played against Manchester City. Uh, obviously, Bayern still use a pretty similar system to the one that Pep used when he was there. They're not trying to deviate from that too much. So they'd seen this before. They were able to sit back defensively and rip them to shreds on the counterattack. It probably could have been more. And uh, over the balance of play in the first leg, Liverpool probably should have been leading the first leg. So Bayern maybe got a little lucky that they weren't they weren't like doled out one of the giant scorelines that they put on like Arsenal like a couple of years ago. Like Bayern very easily could have lost this one like. 7-1 or something like that. Their only goal was from a from an own goal that was well worked, but you know, they didn't create much like you said outside of that. So, great win for Liverpool and pretty like decisive. Like I don't I don't think there's any question. Like there's no there's no difficult decisions or anything like that. Uh there's no controversy surrounding this one. Liverpool were the better side and they deserve to go through. Um, we all had that one picked, uh, so we all got one point for that. We're I'm keeping keeping track of the uh, Champions League picks this year because uh, for the last two years since we started this pod, uh, I picked Real to win both years, and uh, I've been on a roll. So I'm going to start. I can't win the Premier League once, but I'll I'll damn I'll damn near try to do the Champions League once. So coming back around to Sadio Mane, I've been seeing a lot of stuff today ever since that results saying that a lot of people are now of the opinion that Mane is a better player than Salah. I don't want to dive too far into this, but do, are you in agreement with that? Or do you think he's just having a better season? I, like, I would agree with that. I just think he's having a better season. I also think that it's possible Mane is more of a big game player. I've always thought that he's more of a threat in big games. I think Salah sometimes goes a little bit missing. Um, I think a lot of goals that Salah's gotten in big games have been penalties most of the time. No, I don't so know about that. Think, Come on. He scored great goals against Tottenham, like Chelsea, Arsenal last year. Yeah, but like, like I'm saying like the really big games. Man, like Man City, City in the Champions League. United Man City in the Premier League. In the Champions I, League. I mean, yeah, no, I'm not saying that he the, he hasn't Salah hasn't scored. I've goals, noticed in I'm the away games. The away games like against the top like Mane is more, more of a threat than... Um, 
than Salah. At least at home, it feels like Mane is a really, really big threat. But, but the thing that Salah's brought to the team that Mane hasn't been able to maintain in his career is consistent goal scoring. Yeah, I was going to say Mane goes on these streaks. Scoring. Yeah, for sure. Which is valuable say, for Mane. Mane has always been just more of a like Mane. Always, you could always see that he would hit the you know the post or beat players all the time and miss shots and you know try really crazy attempts that would go off target. But you could always see this guy was a really really good player and it was, you know it was just only a matter of time before. At some point, it, it all clicked, and you know he he got his thirty goal season. So it looks like this is going to be the the year that he hits that mark. Who knows? Maybe he'll hit it, you know, two or three years in a row, and and can can hit the ground running. But we've seen how hard it is to maintain that type of like output. Yeah, like thirty goals Very year tough. in and year out. It's it's really difficult, no matter where you play, to to score goals consistently like that. The thing I will say about Salah, though, is that he's Even he's just he's been, been, been he's scoring, just been unlucky. He's still really threatening. Yeah, he's just been really unlucky in the last few games for sure. Yeah, he's, he's still been he's really good. Still had a couple of chances in this one. Uh, didn't manage to beat Neuer from distance, uh, and he's yeah he's been bright for the last couple of games. It's just been unlucky and not clicking for him, and it has been for Mane. And he set up Mane for the second for Mane's second goal today, so he's still contributing in a meaningful way. Uh, so nothing too big to worry about for Liverpool fans there. Uh, let's move on to the second game from today. Barca beat Leon. 5-1 at the Camp Nou after drawing the first leg 0-0. We all had Barcelona picked. It was close in the first leg. Leon played very, very well to keep it to 0-0, but I think realistically they needed to come out of that one with a lead and a clean sheet. And when they didn't get that, we all kind of assumed that back at the new Camp, Barca would just sort of wipe them off the pitch. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch this one. I watched the highlights, but I know you were kind of dual screening it, Javier. Uh, was it just too much Barcelona and too much Messi in the end for Leon to handle? I thought that Leon were a little bit unlucky. Um, I thought that the first goal, <sighs> the penalty was odd because it looked like Suarez stepped on Denier and yeah, it looked like he anticipated then just like the flopped over. Yeah. But then from like another angle, it looks like Denier chops him from behind. But like, I don't know. It, it, that's what the thing is about VAR. It's like from some angles, it looks like it's a foul. And then when you see it from another angle, you're like, well, it clearly isn't a foul. But then sometimes they make the decision based on the other angle. And it's like, I don't know. That's something that I think they still you know need to sort out about VAR. But I thought it was, you know, the, the first goal was pretty unlucky. And then Lopez got concussed. And it might have been a factor in the second goal, and you could see after they the backup goal. <laughs> I don't had think to it was. Come in. I don't think it was a fa- factor. The it second probably goal. wasn't. Goal, I mean, it second goal was a tap in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm just saying, like, there was a good seven or eight minutes there where the you could tell that this guy was, you know, concussed and hurting, and the Barca players were going to try and take advantage of it, and they got a goal in that time. And as soon as that, right after that goal happened, the manager took the goalie off. So. I don't know if it was direct impact, but you know his you head still... looked like it hit the floor. It, it, like yeah. Coutinho it, it didn't also, hit his head or anything. It, well, the ball just hit him in the forehead, like going 40, 50 miles an hour. Oh, was so. that it? Was that what caused? Yeah, him? it was like a really strong shot that hit him in the face. So I thought it was from a one on one he had with Coutinho. That was the highlight that I saw that they like attributed the injury to. They like showed showed him going down in a one on one with Coutinho, hitting his head yeah, off the ground. In that in that in be- that one on one, the ball hits him in the face. Okay, that's so that is when it happened. Yeah. Um, 
So Messi finishes this game with uh, two goals, uh, two assists, uh, a typical Lionel Messi masterclass that we've just come to expect from him. Do you rank this even in the top 10 of great performances by Messi? (laughs) Anywhere near there? This was very average and regular. I'm I'm using that question to set up his greatness (laughs) because that that was was, a great performance. He tore them to shreds on the counterattack. That was an regular performance from him. He does that pretty much week in and week out. Um, but what I was going to say was actually that like, because like Leon then did pretty well to come back after having their goalkeeper down, um, in the second half, they had a good sequence of play for maybe about 10 minutes where they started pushing forward and they got their goal. And at that point, Barcelona had like this period of nervousness for 10 minutes where they started misplacing passes. Um, they started going deeper and deeper. And Valverde immediately like started warming up a bunch of defenders and like it, 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 it like almost like panic set in. It, it was kind of bizarre. It was weird to watch. And then Messi just calmed everything down. Just took the ball, dribbled by a few players, put right. two I defenders mean, on the ground, and scored. And then and then you just knew like okay, everything's safe. Right. Well, down. As soon as any team, especially a team of Leon's level, which no offense to them, they're a very good team, capable of beating the likes of. Man City and PSG like they have this season but as soon as they have to open themselves up to try and get back in the game uh, away from home at the Camp Nou like th- those goals that Barcelona went on to score all, all on the counter-attack I'm not trying to diminish them at all but they were like anyone who's watched Barcelona before at home in a Champions League game like this could tell you that there's probably going to be a couple of counter-attacks that sort of put this one to bed maybe not as many as five goals but that, so that was impressive but uh, it, it was it was not too surprising. Like I said, we all had that one picked, so uh, we've all got uh, two points now for the week uh, or for the round. Uh, let's move on to one of the best comebacks of the round. Uh, that's saying something because there were a lot of good ones. Uh, Juventus came back from a 2-0 away deficit to beat Atletico 3-2 with a 3-0 win at the Allianz Stadium. Cristiano Ronaldo put the team on his back and scored a hat-trick against his old foes, Atletico. It's it's hard to talk about this one because we were saying off uh, off microphone before the pod that like people were saying isn't that amazing that Ronaldo did that and we were just kind of like that's like it's not surprising that he's done it a million times before I can think of the exact yeah. same scoreline being overturned obviously not against Atletico but I think like four years ago Real Madrid lost two nil away to Schalke back when Leroy Sané was playing for them and then Ronaldo came back and won the game three nil at home uh, with. Real and a penalty was the third goal that won the, the tie for them. So it was like an I think, uh, identical I think they did to that. Wolfsburg in 2016 as well. Maybe that's what you're thinking of. No, no, Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg they went down two 0 against like, Wolfsburg, uh, and then Ronaldo scored a hat trick, and they came back. Oh yeah, they were in the Champions League. That was the season after De Bruyne was there, and I guess they sold him to City. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they for had them Draxler, to get Schuler, I just completely fucking like, just. Erase that Gustavo, from my brain. Ricardo <laughs> they were in the Champions League that recently. I was thinking of 2014 against Schalke. I, I don't know why I completely deleted that one from my brain. But yeah, he's done this many times before. Uh, this may be the most impressive of all, though. Atletico Madrid, notoriously, I would say, the best defensive team left in this competition. Either them or Liverpool. But it, it's well known that of the last 100 games that Jan Oblak's played... He's kept 50 clean sheets in those games, and he's only had two goals or more conceded on him, something like 15 times. And, uh, oh my God, I almost said Real Madrid were able to come back. And Juventus were able to overturn the deficit and uh, get the 3-0 when they needed. There were some really impressive performances all over the pitch for Juventus. Max Allegri being one of the standout 
I guess, characters, you can say, from yesterday's game, set the team up perfectly. Yeah, some really nice tactical adjustments, a few players that we hadn't seen before, at least in positions. Emre Chan was the middle center back in a back three, and he was pretty monumental that whole game. I also, Regulon, was it? No, uh... No, uh, Spinozola. It was his first Champions League perform uh, appearance. Regulon's the uh, Real Madrid left back. Yeah, yeah. the uh, the we'll later. That guy was absolutely amazing. I I didn't know who he was like for the first whole first half, but I just I was like, and when I found out that it was his debut, I mean, well, what a bold move from Allegri to to when you ha- when you're two 0 down to put give a kid his debut. You know, it, not only that, but basically give him and Jao Cancelo on the right basically the freedom of the wings. Uh, I mean, by dropping Chan into that back three, we've seen Chan play there a few times before for Germany and for Liverpool. Basically, just freed those two wingbacks up to go forward and get the proper service into Ronaldo. I wa- okay, everyone's praising Ronaldo. I'll, uh, I'll admit, he obviously had the hat-trick. He was the one who uh, drags them back to uh, their first ever overturning of a 2-0 result in their Champions League history. He apparently uh, but, told his whole family, like everyone he knew, yeah, I mean, that like something special was going to happen. They needed to be at the game that night. I yeah. just, that's why I had that feeling. Like I, I told one of my coworkers, like the day before and the day of, he was just like, "Dude, there's no way they come back Atletico, against Atletico, right? Like they're the best defense in the league." And I was like, "Dude, I just I feel Ronaldo's going to score a hat trick." <laughs> I said that to him, and I was like, the, "He's, he's going to score a penalty." Penalty. <laughs> And then, like you said, when it happened, I wasn't even surprised. I was I was more pissed that he did it because I was just like, that's how good this guy is. That, like, you can just expect the hat trick of him. And th- I didn't – that didn't necessarily mean, like, I thought 100% like they were going to go through. I thought maybe Atletico could get one away goal and yeah. it wouldn't be enough. But I just expected this guy to at least come and get, like, two goals, if not three. Because whenever, whenever you need him to show up, he does it, you know? In the most clutch of moments – at least four out of the last of five clutch. years he has um, in the Champions League, at least. Uh, I was going to say that there was a big but following the Ronaldo uh, praise. But I thought there were plenty of other players for Juventus that were absolutely pivotal, particularly Federico Bernadeschi, who they, they bought uh, not this past summer, the previous summer, uh, from Fiorentina for a pretty big chunk of change, just doing the usual Juventus stuff of buying their rivals' best players, best young players. Uh, he got spot minutes here and there last season, but he's someone that like everyone in Italy has just been raving about for the past like four or five seasons. And he showed up big time, uh, drilled that ball into Ronaldo for the first goal, and then won the penalty for the third goal uh, that Ronaldo eventually took advantage of. So it's uh, it was it was a big decision to play the likes of Spinozola and Sean in center back, like you said, uh, and to start someone like Federico Bernadeschi over uh, Paolo Dybala, who was played in the first leg and was rather ineffective. But props to Allegri. He had the balls to do it. I, I do want to say something about Atletico. I think they really, really, really shit the bed here. They were a team that after they won 2-0, we were starting to talk Re- about them more seriously. Said, we fucked it. He's yeah, like, we- 100%. He said, we picked the wrong day to fuck it all up. And yeah, he said they, that like four or five times in his interview, just kept saying, like, we fucked it up. Like, we messed up. But to be fair, so, as someone who has recently relied on Alvaro Morata to convert the one or two chances that he uh, got in a big game, I, I could have told you that that's usually not going to come out 
uh, well for you. So uh, Murata misses uh, a headed chance at that. It wasn't an easy one, but you know if you're gonna put you know, put a bet down on Murata to uh, score score a goal, you would usually favor one on his head to do that. But he wasn't able to take advantage. Uh, Atletico literally they could have just used that one goal and the game would have been dead. I mean, I'm sure Juve would have pressed and uh, pressed and pushed for the for the the, the four goals they would have needed, but. Uh, it, that would have been too much to return. No, it would have been five. They would need five, wouldn't they? Because four, four on the night would have been four, four, and Atletico would have to wait. wait no, 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 no. They only won. They won two nil. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Need, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking. I'm thinking three nil. Three. My bad. Yeah. But but yeah. No, I mean. No, but I'm saying I, if I thought, Atletico, I Atletico had scored, got it all wrong, and maybe it's the end of Simeone. You know, maybe this 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 like he this season peters out and. He goes to Inter Milan after this. Who knows? But it, it was he not just a good, an not a good look. That, that he just—I know he just signed an extension, but that—that that is really not a good look for them. So, um, just I think they got tactically all wrong defensively. They they set up. They just They're too to reliant on, on that. Said. Like you have to, you have to use these away games in the Champions League to get that away goal. That is so valuable, and to just like surrender that and rely completely on defense against one of the better teams in the league. Or better teams in the competition. That was that was suicidal to me. Uh, let's jump now to uh, a pretty open and shut tie. Manchester City beat Schalke ten two on aggregate. They uh, won the first leg three uh, two in Schalke uh, or in Gelsenkirchen. Biggest margin I by say. an English team ever in the wow, Champions really? League. That's no surprising. Team has ever won ten three? Yeah, I believe uh, 10-2. United won ten two. Right. United won, yeah, ten two. I believe United won. They beat Roma seven one, and I don't remember what the first leg was. I, yeah. I don't think that margin was bigger than this though. I, I read somewhere this was the biggest biggest margin. So yeah, well, the second leg they came out and won seven uh, nil at the Etihad. I would re- I would read off the goals, but there's too many to count. Uh, we all had Manchester City picked. Also, I should mention that we had Juventus picked. So. Uh, these first four, we all went unanimous on, and we all got right. Where do you rank City in terms of the favorites for this competition and the power rankings? Have they moved up for you? Who have they moved ahead of? Yeah, and no, I mean, after after a performance like this, uh, y- you know, you gotta you gotta look at City and think this is this is a really scary team. You know, if they can put ten goals past a side that you know arguably is one of the weak, probably one of the weakest teams to make it to the knockout rounds, if not the weakest team, so. Probably. I wouldn't put too much thought into it. I think they're in a relegation battle right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're, they're uh, not doing they're not well doing... at all in the Bundesliga. So I wouldn't look too much into it. Um, I was going to say, I mean, it, it, obviously they, they're going to be looking to win the Champions League this year, but they've got a really big title race on their hands. So I'm sure this will give them a little bit more momentum and more confidence, but I don't, don't want to look too much into it. I'm guessing Barca are still your number one. Your, yeah, your pick to win it. But I was two. a little bit worried by what happened in that Leon game, um, and now Juventus are definitely creeping up on me. Uh, so who's number that. two? Juventus, definitely. Number three, City? Juventus definitely is my Juventus, and City's my number three, yeah. Ahead of Liverpool? Because Liverpool are going Ahead to the Liverpool. league. Yeah. yeah. Understandable. Let's jump down now to uh, the... <laughs> I would say the biggest shock in terms of the uh, the overturn of the round. Man United went through against PSG on away goals, 3-3. They lost the first leg, 2-0. Every, all looked lost. They're in the toughest part of their schedule right now. 
uh, after obviously that loss to Arsenal last weekend, following that uh, great 3-1 result in the second leg against PSG. The most impressive thing about this result to me had to be just bleeding over from the first leg. They're missing Pogba from a red card right at the end of the game, a completely unnecessary tackle that everyone at the time viewed as, oh, well, Pogba's just thrown away their chances at going through here, even if they're already down 2-0. Uh, so no Pogba. Plenty of other players injured. I could go through a very long list. They're playing a lot of academy or close to academy players. There were stories in the build-up to the away leg all about United bringing along eight academy players and having four of them or something on the bench. It, it, it looked like desperate times for United, but they get the early goal from the uh, mis- from the mistake. Uh, I'm getting them mixed up. It was Lukaku scored both of the first two goals. Uh, Lukaku what, scored the first and the third. No, Rashford scored the third on a penalty. Oh, uh, right. For the them. first two. Yeah, you're right. But the, the, first the, two. the second goal was uh, the shot from Rashford that Buffon didn't catch correctly and it bounced back out to uh, Lukaku. Was... So, I mean, obviously, yeah, United took advantage really of mistakes. Yeah, no. two terrible mistakes that just. Are PSG unlucky at this point or do they bring this upon themselves because I, mean, I think i think they kind of they kind of bring this upon themselves obviously you're worried about something like this happening now in two seasons where they had giant leads and have capitulated those leads i, I could go back further than that but um, a lot of those players no, were well, playing in, for this team in, or no last year it was away but it's if it, it's crazy that yeah, I don't. I, I, Last year was PSG or it was Real at home in the second leg, but they were down three one, and then they lost. I think two one at home too. They were, were pretty handily beaten by Real last year, without Neymar in the second leg. Uh, but was it? It was three seasons ago that they lost to uh, Barca with the the six one comeback victory um, at the Camp Nou. There, I, I can point back to Chelsea results in the past where they they screwed up and uh, and we. Over, we overturned uh, results against them, but a lot of those players weren't on this team. I, I think there's something that runs deeper in the club, like a like a deeper inner doubt like or something club. like that. They just, no, I don't know about rotten. Going to win the Champions League. I don't know about rotten, but there's such there's such an emphasis on the Champions League that it's like they're it's almost too important to them. Where like you never see like. You never see a complete two-leg performance from PSG against like the other top sides. If they do beat the other top sides in Europe, it's usually it's usually like pretty testy. They've never just sort of wiped the floor with anyone, and for the most part, they've been knocked out by the likes of uh, Real and Barcelona and Bayern Munich. Yeah, there's something really deep in that club that's just I don't want to say rotten, but it's. Tuchel's got a really big job in his hands, and he's he did really well in the first leg to set them up to uh, nullify the impact of Lukaku and Rashford and Pogba. But that second leg, it's uh, you could see the frustration on his face. Anything more to say about United? We were talking on the last pod about how the Champions League might be their best bet on uh, qualifying again for next season in the Premier League. Now that you know what teams are left... Where, where, where do you rank them? Are they uh, obviously we've given the top four uh, to a degree? Would you say they're fifth on that list? Like, do you, do you think they're capable of beating any of these top, these top sides again after seeing them beat PSG? Yeah, I think they're fifth. I, I think they could probably beat Tottenham, Ajax, or Porto. I think if they get any any of those three, you could see them making the semifinal. And you know, and then you never know. You really never know. Once you get into a semifinal. Over injuries, two legs. suspensions, yeah, injuries, you never know. suspensions, everything I happens. I mean, it's 
You never know, but I think United, they're probably my fifth pick. Okay. Yeah, well, we knew it wasn't going to be Tottenham. Um, well, moving on to Porto, who came back from a 2-1 deficit in the first leg against Roma to win uh, 4-3 on aggregate, winning 3-1 at home at the Estadio Dragao. I do want to mention uh, that last game, Andrew and I had picked United to win that one, uh, so we got a point there. And uh, in this one, I was the only one who picked Porto. You guys didn't see Roma falling apart. Roma, since uh, they were knocked out of this round, have sacked both their sporting director, Mungshi, and uh, their coach, uh, Eusebio Di Francesco. All, all I'll say is, I tried to tell you guys, it's falling apart at Roma. They've since brought in uh, Claudio Ranieri. He, Claudio Ranieri, great at falling upwards, rivaling Julian Lopetegui in terms of how he falls upwards when he leaves a job, helping Fulham to basically lock up relegation, and then a week later, after being fired, getting the Roma job. So props to Claudio Ranieri. Good for him. Did you get to watch either of these ones? I'm guessing you were. You prioritized the the other fixture on this day, I'm guessing, because it was United yeah, PSG. Yeah, I didn't really get to see the, uh, the Porto-Roma. I just saw the highlights. Um, I thought that it was, I mean, it was a great tie. Great tie. Um, Excellent tie. Back and forth, and... You didn't know who was going to win to the last minute. I mean, Roma had chances to get the, the away goal in the extra time. I did they watch the, the away extra goal. time, actually. They got the away goal. No, I'm saying... Uh, but to win it, Porto yeah. Porto went up in extra time, and there was multiple chances for Roma to then get the tying goal, which would have given them the win. Right, yeah. To Z- get the, Z- the second away goal. Z- Zaniolo, your boy, had uh, had a really good opportunity that... It just looked like fatigue. He he just put it straight at the keeper, and uh, he did nothing the know. first leg. None of the criticism could be focused on him. He scored twice in the first leg to give them the win in that game. No, he played excellent, um, absolutely fantastically in this, and really showed himself to the world in in this tie. So Porto also they look dangerous offensively, um, and you know at the Dragao they're going to give anybody a problem. So. Yeah, I think I think. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're as much of a pushover as people might think they're going to be. I mean, it depends on who they they get. If they get one of the really top sides, then on their day they could get ripped to pieces. But they've got what it takes defensively. They've got experience. They've brought Pepe in uh, in uh, January since he left Besiktas, and he's played well for them in uh, continuing their their title push, competing with Benfica. So obviously, any of the top sides would love to face one of Porto or Ajax, but it's, yeah, I, I would probably want to play against Ajax, even though they are far more exciting and young and energetic side. Porto have got a lot of experience and are capable of sitting deep on you and counterattacking through the Musa Marega and uh, a pretty nice little midfield that they've got there of uh, Hector Herrera of uh, Mexico and uh, Danilo Pereira, the defensive midfielder from Portugal. So, They've got some. They've got some players. I don't think there's going to be any five nils like there were last year against Liverpool. Uh, so uh, let's move on from that to the Tottenham win over Borussia Dortmund. They won four nil on aggregate. Won the first like three nil at home, scoring three goals in like the last fifteen minutes or something of that game, effectively putting the tie to bed. But then even more impressively, they went uh, to Dortmund and won one nil. Goal from Harry Kane uh, early in the second half. Uh, didn't concede any goals over two legs against a side that was at the time leading in the Bundesliga and now are only in second on goal difference to Bayern Munich. So uh, it, a pretty impressive result for Tottenham. And the Premier League's 3-0 and against the Bundesliga in this round. That's uh, three up, three down. Liverpool over Bayern, City over Schalke, not that impressive. Tottenham over Dortmund. That's 
that settles it. The, we can we can one hundred percent say that the Premier League is uh, better than the, the Bundesliga, but I don't think that was up to much debate. Uh, did, did you, I'm guessing you caught the first leg, the three 0 they had over Dortmund. Uh, in, uh, in the actually, first game. I watched the second leg too. Um, really, I thought Tottenham were. You didn't were watch really, really Madrid good. Ajax? Well, I, well, I had was watching both, but the you devil. in 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 the first half, Spurs just weathered the storm. Uh, Dortmund attacked and attacked, but you could see as the first half was going on, Loris made some saves and was frustrating them, and the crowd started getting quieter and quieter. And right at the end of the first half, Tottenham started like ascending, and you could kind of tell like Dortmund weren't going to do it, you know? Yeah, because they were that down early goal. Is they so needed that goal. Important. They needed they needed an early goal in that first leg to to get anything going. Because being down three nil, I mean. You got to get one or two goals in the first half, one or two in the second, and and try and you know have a four goal result. But once the second half started, you, the Dortmund players basically just came out like knowing the game, the mat, the tie was over, and basically yeah. just conserved energy. That's why Tottenham just basically you know kind of wiped the floor with them in the second half, got the goal, and just trotted to a win. It was kind of surprising that they then went and lost in the Premier League on the weekend after they got such a great result and like were rested in that game basically so Chackle and Hyde still for Tottenham and you know wins and losses no draws but it looks like Champions League you know that might be their their greatest chance at success you know if they can make a Champions League semi-final maybe yeah. make top four that would be a great season for them if they make the Champions League semi-finals and don't make top four is that a great season I would argue definitely not for them I'm guessing they want to continue to, see, to keep making top four the amount of money that um Maybe the amount of money that you make making the Champions League semifinal is comparable, but I don't think it is compared to making the Champions League. That's the wrong answer, Javier. The answer is yes, it would be a great season for them because all of their fans would talk about that time they almost won the Champions League <laughs> by just getting to the semifinal. <laughs> it would be good for everybody else to be able to banter them even more. But <laughs> Yeah. So the final game of this round, I'll just say it, the biggest overall upset that we've seen uh, for a little while now in the Champions League, Ajax defeating Real Madrid 5-3 on aggregate. Real won the first leg 2-1 uh, in Amsterdam uh, before Ajax came out and just put the beat down on Real Madrid in the Bernabeu. We saw a Champions League performance of the week from Dusan Tadic, Dusan Tadic formerly yeah. <laughs> of Southampton, formerly oh. one of the banter gods of... Uh, for for me at least of the Premier League, where he was just one of those players at Southampton, where he was constantly playing on the wing. He wasn't playing in a false nine position like he was in that second leg, and he was constantly ineffective. Where he would look, he, he would look like Nathan Redmond does now, or has for the last couple of years, where they look great on the ball, but they just have zero end product. You can tell they're the most talented player, but maybe there's just not enough quality around them to to add the finishing touches to that. He's on a really good team now in Ajax, like just mentioned, is very young and energetic and frankly outplayed Real Madrid over both legs. Real were lucky to get that 2-1 first leg win. There was a uh, a uh, VAR, uh, the first use of VAR in Champions League history was in the first leg of this game where uh, they ruled out uh, Tagliafico's goal uh, for an offside. And it was viewed as very uh, like a very t- difficult decision. People weren't very happy about it, specifically Ajax fans. Probably was the right decision overall. Um, didn't end up affecting uh, the end result, but uh, just super impressive from Ajax to like, just, uh, overall to outplay Real over the two legs. Uh, Real had plenty of chances to put this one away uh, early in the second leg. Varane hit the bar early in the second leg when it was still nil nil. 
And as soon as Real missed one or two chances, Ajax went right down the field and just ripped them to shreds. There was no Sergio Ramos, uh, who stupidly got himself a yellow card in the first leg to uh, see a suspension in the second leg. And then he talked about it uh, in, in the interview afterwards, saying how he meant to get the yellow card so he could miss the second leg. And uh, he was given another game ban, <laughs> a two-game ban instead of a one-game ban. So uh, probably the biggest idiot of this round is Sergio Ramos. But uh, I'm sure plenty of Liverpool fans and fans around the world who uh, weren't big big fan of his antics in the Champions League final will uh, will be very happy to see that. Uh, what were your thoughts on Ajax's performance in this game? I mean, everyone everyone was waxing lyrical about them. They were amazing. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was super impressed with their wingbacks, their wingers. Um, yeah, just with everyone, their ball control, the way that they could pass the ball, their movement. I, I didn't know they were that good of a team. I mean, they must have played the performance of their lives. Um, I'll Frankie say go Dion back. was amazing in the midfield. Go back and watch the, I think it was the 3-3 game they had with Bayern in the group stage uh, when they were at home. That, that was the game that Muller got uh, the red card for cleating one of their players like in the, in the face or in the chest or something and got given like a five-game ban. But the game overall was crazy and I think Ajax went up like 3-1 and Byron came back and tied it. And it was super open. and That was the game and those the two performances against Byron in the group. Those were the performances that made me think like, my God, can Ajax really do it against Real? But then Real picking up their form right before uh, that tie was played, it caused all of us to pick Real Madrid and we were all wrong. Uh, so, Over under on, uh, on five players from this Ajax team being, being bought this summer. I think you're setting the over under too high. It'd probably be like four, four and a half. Like it, I'm saying, if you re, if you realistically tried to set an over under, like five is like a pretty high amount. You think that's too high? All right. Well, all right. like if you gave it, if you how, gave how me four, think? I was gonna say I think it's gonna be at least at least five. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I would say if you gave me the over under at like three and a half, four, like, ta- I would ta- ta- I would ta- maybe Fico, take the over. Z- Zizic. De Jong. Well, De Jong's leaving already. Delict is okay, leaving. Okay, so that counts as one. Yeah, yeah. Delict right, will so leave. Delict. So that's uh, four, and then I, I'm, and then maybe Dolberg, and like no, there's, Dolberg, there's a few more. Dolberg in there. will stay. He still needs to develop. But then there's there's uh, David Neres who might might leave. Oh, uh, Neres. Right. Hakim Ziyech, <laughs> the attacking midfielder who was excellent in this tie, also. Uh, Tadic just arrived, so he's not going anywhere. Yeah, I don't think. And then Tadic there's will. there's the likes of uh, Lasse Shona, the, uh, the 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 free kick taker. Who, nah, by the way, he's old. He'll probably stay there. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and then uh, Donny Vanderbeek, their their other uh, dynamic midfielder, who's like 22 or 23. So they, there's plenty of players to pick from. I don't know if yeah, uh, five is going to happen. Uh, uh, I hope Arsenal will take a look at some of those guys. Let's... I mean, if they make a Monaco type run to the semi final, then you'll definitely see five taken. But we're all anticipating they go down in the next round, uh, depending on who they get. Let's hit quick on Real Madrid. There's been a lot that's developed since we all picked Real Madrid to go through in this tie. Uh, after the, the, They had a single week of their season where the, their whole season just went to shit. They uh, started the week with a home game against Barcelona in the Copa del Rey. The score was tied at 1-1 from the first leg, and they lost 3-0 at home to Barca. Uh, then on the following weekend, they lost, I want to say, 1-0 to Barcelona in the league to basically wrap Barcelona the title, uh, wrap up the title for Barcelona. And then on the following Tuesday or Wednesday, they lose 4-1 to Ajax and go out of the uh, the Champions League. That then gets uh, Santiago Solari fired, who uh, had replaced Julian Lopetegui earlier in the season. And miraculously, after all of the murmurs and whispers of Jose Mourinho t- returning to the team, 
Zinedine Zidane comes back. I'm so impressed by Zidane. I, I was saying this on Twitter that he's 100% just played a huge game of 4D chess on Real, where he stepped down last summer knowing that if he went to the Real board, even after winning three Champions Leagues in a row, and saying to the Real board, this team has passed it, this team needs to rebuild, we need to sell a ton of these players who are coming to the end of their, their, their time here and the end of their careers, and we need to do a serious overhaul, they wouldn't have given him the money. That's 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 the rumors that are going around. That he they wouldn't have given him the money. So rather than go and ask for that and not getting it, and then being blamed with Real falling apart this season, like they inevitably have, uh, he steps down on top when, while he's still on top, uh, knowing that when this team inevitably falters and falls apart, he can come back in and say, "See, uh, like look, I, I try to tell you guys <laughs> we." Uh, we, we need a huge rebuild. So that rebuild's coming this season. Uh, coming to a uh, TV near you, Galacticos Part 4 or Part 5. I can't remember. But uh, undoubtedly, th- this is basically sealed Eden Hazard going to Real. Uh, I'll, I'll admit it. He, Zidane's his, his idol. He wants to play for Eden, Real. Milinko Savage. Icardi. Ha- hide, your, Neymar, hide your strikers. Hide Mbappe. your wingers. Hide your defenders. Hide everybody. Yeah, hide them. Liverpool, hide your hide your Salas, hide your Manes. Arsenal, you guys don't have anyone to hide. You guys don't have anyone worth it. Yeah, I thought uh, about that the other day. I was like, would Real take anyone from us? I was like, nah, nope. maybe Lacazette. Probably not. Nope, no, no, definitely not Lacazette. They don't want anybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the mood's gone from Real season's over to everything's going to be okay. Caesar's back. Uh, do you think that's warranted? Do you th- it's 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 a different task for him. He he went from having a uh, a team that was basically built by Jose Mourinho. Uh, maybe a few players added, and taking that team to win the Champions League three years in a row, to now he's got a rebuild on his hands, and he has to craft the team with the players he wants to take <sighs> no, into the future. Caesar is back. Everything's back. Everything's fine. It's yep. Real Madrid. Okay. They're going to go drop three hundred million. Everything. They're going to win. Javier, uh, I think him. you just set a really low number there. I think they're going to drop close to a billion this summer in One players. One billion. One billion. Because if they're going to get here on the Gold Skull podcast first, folks. yeah, I'm, Alex I'm, I'm just calling gonna it. Drop close to one billion. They're going to drop close to a billion dollars this summer. Maybe euros, whatever. Uh, I'll, I'll keep it vague. Because someone like Neymar or Mbappe is going to cost like three hundred or four hundred by themselves. You know, so if they're going to get someone like that, which it looks like they want. And they usually they usually get that. Add another hundred million for Eden Hazard, maybe seventy five million. Then they have to go get a bunch of defenders. It could get pretty damn close. Let's say seven hundred million. Seven hundred million. I'll set it a little bit lower, uh, officially. But that wraps it up for our Champions League recap. Through one round, Andrew's got five of those predictions correct. Javier's got five correct, and uh, I've got six. So. Uh, at least I'm winning in something. Uh, let's jump for to our previews of the Premier League this weekend. Only five games uh, to hit on and give our predictions because there is FA Cup action. Uh, so a lot of those games uh, or teams playing in the FA Cup, the, them and their opponents in the Premier League, their games were postponed. So uh, no game for Arsenal this weekend. They were due to play Wolves who were in the FA Cup. Uh, a couple other ones, United aren't playing, Tottenham aren't playing. Uh, but Liverpool and Chelsea will be playing. Let's start with our predictions real quick for Bournemouth versus Newcastle. Saturday at 11 a.m., Andrew's got a 2-1 win for Bournemouth, as does Javier, and I've got a 2-2 draw. Burnley will host Leicester at the same time, Saturday at 11 a.m. Andrew's got a 1-1 draw. I've got 2-1 uh, Burnley, and Javier's got a 2-2 draw. And the final game of Saturday in the Premier League will also be at 11 a.m., West Ham hosting Huddersfield. 
Javier and I both have 2-0 wins, and Andrew's got a 3-0 win for West Ham. Uh, so Sunday, Fulham hosts Liverpool, Sunday at 10.15 in the morning. Andrew has a 3-0 win for Liverpool, I've got a 3-1 win for Liverpool, and so do you, Javier. I don't think there's too much to talk about on this one. Uh, there's uh, Normally we'd bring up, is there any chance of a Champions League hangover for Liverpool? Like I there think was. Fulham already relegated. So yeah, so nah. that's it's not going to happen. Uh, I've raised right. that question last week for Manchester United going into the Arsenal game, but obviously this is not a, a top six clash for Liverpool, so not as big of a threat to contend with. Uh, we all have Liverpool winning. Uh, the really enticing game of the weekend will be played Sunday at 12.30 p.m. Everton hosting Chelsea at Goodison Park. Andrew's got a 2-1 win for Chelsea, a bit of faith. Javier, you've got a 1-0 win for Chelsea. And I'm going to be the naysayer. I'm going to say 2-2. Goodison Park is a no- notoriously difficult venue for us to go to and consistently win. Only really the Premier League winning level teams have gone there and, and, and won uh, consistently, for Chelsea at least. So I think they'll give us some some trouble. Their, their main weakness that's been talked about ad nauseum is the, their set-piece defending. Uh, well, luckily, Chelsea are not exactly adept at scoring and creating chances through set-pieces. Actually, we're terrible at it. Uh, the, we don't have a player in the team that can take a corner kick. So that makes things difficult when you're uh, trying to take advantage of a team that doesn't defend well on set-pieces. Uh, no Kurt Zuma for Everton, which I personally think might be a, a, a big have or might have a big impact on the game because zoom has been playing a lot for them recently and has been playing pretty well um they'll have yeri mina i guess instead who's still a good player but i'm afraid of them on the counter-attack like i'm actually like i'm actually concerned about richarlison <laughs> like i'm not ne- like i've never could haven't been concerned about him for weeks now but he just scored again last week against newcastle you know him. He's a streaky player. He's like Mane like they a little bit. They just capitulated. They were up 2-0 and lost 3-2 against Newcastle. That, that helps. Like, I, I think Everton are shit right now. Like, I don't know. I think, like, they're not... That's why I have you guys winning. I mean, I agree that most of the time I would think Everton could get a result here. But I'm also of the opinion that, especially with these mid-table sides that don't really have a chance of getting to Europa and are not in any type of relegation fight, that these last like six, seven, eight games, maybe this is slightly early to be just kind of going on vacation, but it just feels it's like... It's pretty early. It's March. It, it is pretty early, but it feels like in these last few games of the season, those teams will play slightly different lineups. They might play a kid or two. They might try an academy guy out. They might try a different formation or something a little bit different that ends up them losing them the game. But it doesn't really matter because they're 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 you know the difference between them finishing like eleventh or twelfth isn't isn't you know going to be a huge deal or tenth or ninth. Now I'm sure for a lot of these clubs they do want to finish as high as possible. Um, for someone like Wolves, for example. Like, I think Wolves, till the end of the season, they're going to try as hard as possible to, to finish as high as possible. But I think a team like Everton, Watford, some of these other teams, actually, you know, Watford are probably still in that last Europa hunt, in the hunt for the last Europa League spot. But, Barely, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it just feels like you guys are have a lot more to play for, and for that reason, I have you guys just barely edging it 1-0. I'm, inter- I'm interested to see uh, how the Dynamo-Kiev game goes tomorrow, not because of the result, it's obviously wrapped up with us up 3-0, but um, hopefully that doesn't come back to bite me. <laughs> um, but, you know, if there's any injuries in that one, depending on what the lineup is, if we're missing, I don't know, maybe he does something crazy like start Conte or Hazard or something like that, and they get injured and can't play in this game, then I would, I would absolutely 
not be surprised if we drop points. Uh, you know what, Javier? You've changed my mind. I'm flipping to 2-1. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join Andrew on the 2-1 pick. And uh, I have a little bit of faith in Chelsea. You flipped me on my own team, Javier. Congratulations. Uh, so Alex flip God, I can always rely on I'm that. All, I'm always I'm always good at flipping the last second when it makes sense. Yeah, uh, you should have done the IX pick. Yeah, you're right. You I really were, should. You were have. so big on that for so I long. I was texting you, you like right after IX got out of the group. And I then was you like, convinced everybody to to go with Raul. Just 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 ruined it. <laughs> I, and, I, I and, overthink and, it and, too and, much. And you're there's right. one comeback left to be made, guys. Tomorrow, three-one down against Wren. <laughs> after beating Manchester United, the boys are going to do it. We're going to do it tomorrow at the Emirates. I have a three-nil win. A three-nil win tomorrow. I look forward to you guys being up two-nil and, and soaring, and then Wren getting a uh, an away goal, getting one goal, and just throws you guys into an absolute we frenzy. We get a two-one win, but don't go through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be the worst. Well, that wraps it up for us here on the Ghost Goal Podcast. Uh, thanks for checking in on this slightly longer than normal uh, pod. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to the games this weekend. Thanks again to Andrew, who uh, joined us earlier uh, to talk about Liverpool's win. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media, at Ghost Goal Pod, at Andrew Passaro, at ASMoss92, and at JavierRev9 on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you go to the podcast on iTunes. Like, share, subscribe, rate, review, do it all. Ratings and reviews build our exposure and help new listeners find the pod. Uh, so to all you new listeners, go ahead, drop us a rating, drop us a review. We'd appreciate it very much. Uh, and for Javier and Andrew, till next time, see ya.